Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connection, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello and welcome all to what I'm sure will be a very rich episode of Back to Basics. My guest today is Candace Johnson, who is a global infrastructure, network, and innovation expert and entrepreneur. In 1993, she was part of starting what became the world's largest satellite system. She's a founding president of several multi-million euro investment funds and also serves on multiple advisory boards around the world. She has received so many honors and awards that it would take me the whole episode today to highlight them. But just to give you an idea, she's a two-time recipient of the Lifetime Achievement Award from the World Communication Awards, another Lifetime Achievement Award from the International Alliance of Women in Washington. And listen to this. She's decorated as commander of the Luxembourg Order of Merit and officer of the Couronne de la Chienne. Do I need to keep going for, or you know why I'm so excited? Uh, well, without further ado, welcome Candace Johnson to Back to Basics. It's lovely to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. The great well, honor. I'm super excited, not only for that, um, for what I just uh, shared with the audience, but also as a side note, because Candace is the sister of what I, I consider a, a beloved friend, Marsha Bateson, who's also been on the show. So I, I'm very excited to meet you. I am thrilled to be here. And indeed, I was so happy when my sister, and if you don't mind, I can actually even call her my little sister, <laughs> introduced <laughs> us. So it's great to be with you. Thank you. No, absolutely. And I mean, her episode was so amazing. And I definitely, I told her, I, I'm going to love it when I hear from your sister, you know, also about your upbringing and just cross matching the experience. So I know you're currently based in the South of France. That's correct. So I have two homes, one in Luxembourg and one in the south of France. Um, it is in the uh, Sofia Antipolis region, which is kind of considered to be the Silicon Valley of, um, of Europe. So um, uh, that's, that's great. where I have one that's home, then another home in Luxembourg. Mm -hmm. Great. And I'm sure my audience is already jealous, but the less <laughs> like I am. <laughs> But so let's let's go back to basic, Candice. I mean, I love to hear your um, take on your upbringing, your family. I know your parents were special people. I know this yes. already. And anybody that heard that episode, I'm sure they, they know that too. But uh, I'd love to hear it from you. Tell me about your childhood. Yes, absolutely. So I always tell everybody I'm the luckiest person I know. And I really am. Because I was born into this incredible family where my mother, a Romanian, you know, descendant, and uh, her parents were immigrants, she was born in the United States, was really love personified. And whenever anybody asks me, you know, what does an entrepreneur need, because that's what I am, you know, I just say they need a mother who loves you. <laughs> uh. Because that's what my mother did. And then my father, 
who, you know, and the beautiful thing about both of my parents is that they were not at all wealthy <laughs> at all. Um, they could even have been considered poor uh, when they were growing up. But they both lived the American dream and they believed in the American dream. They believed in goodness. They believed in service, something that my sister talked about as well in her podcast. Um, and the fun thing about the life in my family is that even though there were four children, so two boys and two girls, my oldest brother one time said, my parents raised four single children. <laughs> now, what does that mean? That means that each one of us was valued for what we were. And we were never, ever judged or compared against another sibling or quite frankly, even anybody else. What was important in my family was that we would each achieve our own potential. And so at the dinner table, which was always a lot of fun, we, each of us had to talk about what we were doing. So my little sister, Marcia, she would talk about architecture. She loved architecture when she was little, she still does today. My brother would talk about what my oldest brother would talk about math. Because <laughs> he, he turned out to be a game theorist. Oh, wow. Um, yes, exactly. Oh, okay. <laughs> and my other brother would talk about economics. I would talk at that time about music because I have five degrees in music. Oh my God, no way. <laughs> I have to introduce you to my husband now. <laughs> oh, great, great. Yeah. And my father would talk about telecommunication mm. and satellites and going to the moon. And my mother would orchestrate all of this and be encouraging to every single one of us. So then when we grew up, got a little bit older, when my mother and father would invite really kind of amazing people like Werner von Braun um, and Vinton Cerf, the father of the wow. internet, wow, wow, to wow. our home, the same thing happened. They had to talk about what they were doing. Oh, really? <laughs> oh. And, we, and, we, and we got to listen. So we were exposed, all of us were exposed to excellence from a very early age on. We were also exposed to the values of an American family where we had to work hard. We were told if you work hard, if you work well, you will achieve what you want to achieve. And we believed this. And you know, I have traveled around the world and I do think that that is a freedom that the United States still has. The ability for anyone to believe that if they work hard and they work well, they will achieve their dreams. And that's what we were brought up on. We were also brought up on the power of positive thinking. Mm -hmm. You know, there was never any negativity. I remember one time when we were in Hawaii and I had cut my 
leg on a coral reef when I was surfing. And, <laughs> you know. That sounds, I, I told your sister that I was like, oh my God, that sounds such an exciting place to, to be. Well, Marcia, I think she still has her surfboard. <laughs> <laughs> she was a better surfer than I was. I was really a body surfer, but she was a real surfer. But anyway, I, you know, I was in class and I looked down and there's this kind of red vein, you know, creeping up my leg. So I went to the school nurse and the school nurse said, uh-oh, you know, you'll have to have penicillin. Um, are you allergic to this? And I said, no, my mother does not allow allergies. <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> you know, and still to this day, you know, I, I, I just, you know, I just tell people, you have to think positively. And, and, and you do. So, so this was this really incredible, very diverse family. Another thing that I grew up in, another thing was there was never ever any insinuation whatsoever because it didn't exist in either of my mother or my father's minds that we were not all equal. There were two boys and there were two girls. Did they tell different messages to us, to the girls than to the boys? No. We all got the same dose of positive thinking, the power of positive thinking, believing, working hard, and you will achieve this. Which also then meant that when I think, you know, I grew up, it never really even occurred to me that I was the only program, the only woman on the program, that I was the only woman in the meeting with all of the, you know, men. It just never ever occurred to me. Um, I didn't see it. Now, does that mean that I didn't realize that not everybody was as lucky as I am? No. And when I was about, let me see, 38, so 30 years ago, uh, I started the Global Telecom Women's Network. Yes. And, you know, it's one of the happiest things that I've ever done because it is a group of women around the world who are CEOs or you know, CTOs of uh, international telecom companies. And you know, we get together and we talk about the issues that are really important in our industry. Um, it's a brain trust um, and it's, it's, it's just a phenomenal coming together of like-minded women, but in variety of sectors. And we've just published, I'm so proud of this. We just published last, let me see, Thursday, The Future We Imagined. Yes, oh, exactly. I definitely need yes. to check it yes. out. Yes, I will send you the link. And we brought together around 25 women around the world to talk about how education, how telecommunications, how health, how work, how law, all of this is going to be going to be changed and how we are going to be, you know, shaping it and, and building it. So I am very happy to be a woman. Yeah. <laughs> I, th I think that's also part of my luck. <laughs> yeah. I was incredibly fortunate to have been born into my family. And I was incredibly fortunate also to have found really my, you know, my, what I call my other me, 
um, and my best friend and my most darling husband who left us um, about 10 months ago. Oh, I'm sorry to hear yeah. that, Candice. Uh, <laughs> um, but we had 40 years together and that was great fun. Wow. Really. Uh, yeah. I, I cannot imagine and and but yeah as you say you were lucky to have those 40 years and yeah, and uh, in a support service and you know it's so amazing because everything you've said is great because it's already the nuggets of wisdom I always look for <laughs> in my <laughs> podcast but you know one thing is like the fact that you say that you embrace being so lucky because I feel the same way about my life, I have to say. And people sometimes dismiss it like, oh, you're just lucky. And my parents have always said, yeah, you were, you, we gave you things, but you did a lot with the things we gave you. And I feel I see the same in you. I mean, you had this amazing platform, but you could have also got turned out completely different. That's true. That and, is true. And so you're lucky, but there's also a lot to say about you and what you made with that luck. It's amazing. Well, I think, I, so actually my mother and father, they always said, and I tell this to a lot of people, I said, they always said, we can open the door for you, but you have to keep it open. Absolutely. And, and when you read, I mean, all the things you've achieved, what's, uh, what struck me is like, she founded, she started, she created. I love that because that really says a lot. It's not like you were part of something that was already going. You were the disruptor. You were the change maker. You, I mean, as someone in telecom, when, when Marsha uh, sent me the link to her sister, who I didn't know, um, you know, and I see, and I'm in telecom and I'm like, oh my God, she founded this? I, I've <laughs> always admired, you know, the association you just mentioned because it reunites the women in the telecom industry and it's going to be next year 25 years in telecom and so I also have had my struggles being a woman in the telecom industry but like you I think I never paid attention to much of I'm the only woman in the room I felt sometimes what that meant and I had to deal with what that meant but I never put it as a, as a block road and I think a lot of women they go into the room already making excuses. Oh, well, I'm the only one here. And I, and I think sometimes that's not the best approach. No, no, it isn't. Um, the, you're, you're right, um, Leticia, in saying that I have indeed started a number of things. I think that actually the most important thing, though, is that I have stayed with them. Great point. And um, that is very important to me. My slogan is never accept no for an answer, never give up, and never go away, even when others want you to. <laughs> That's very powerful. Yeah, I can, I can, all is very good wisdom for me here. <laughs> so, you know, and um, so what I normally do is I'm always. Uh, you know, later on in the questions that you gave me, you know, you said, what makes, what makes me tick? Mm -hmm. And what makes me tick is personal responsibility. So when I see a wrong and I believe that I can change it, then I feel I have the personal responsibility to do so. Because if I did not try and change it, I would be part of the wrong. 
So, you know, it, it means, for instance, in 1983, you know, when I started Astra, the Astra satellite, there was no freedom of choice for television viewing. It was not allowed to have your own satellite dish. It was not even allowed to have a, your own satellite. Besides <laughs> <laughs> that, the, the, it, there were government monopolies who were doing the programming for television. People in France could not see television programs from Germany and vice versa. Not to mention, and please let us not forget, in 1983, Europe was still divided. And so we had the, the wall and we had Eastern Europe and Western Europe and the people in Eastern Europe could not see any of the Western television and vice versa. And so for me, this lack of freedom of choice was such an incredible wrong that I had to do something about it. And the same thing happened again when I started Teleport Europe in 1990 and the wall had just come down and there were corporations who wanted to go and build um, businesses in Eastern Europe, but they didn't have any way to do it. And so here again, I started satellite telecommunication networks. And at that time, it wasn't allowed to do private telephony, private fax, you know, none of yes. this. But I said, this is wrong. And so indeed, I, I also started the Association of Private <laughs> You see? <laughs> and I will put it all in the show notes, all your, 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 you know, your endeavors. Because... But you see, it was always these wrongs. And it usually took me about three years to get something started. You know, just when you're working flat out, I mean, going to bed at midnight, you know, getting up at four, just, you know, creating, it, you know, that energy. People always say, where do you get your energy from it? Mm -hmm. I never even even thought I had energy. But I, guess, you know, I guess I do. I, I get asked the same thing, and I haven't created <laughs> as much as you. But I say, how do you do all this? Yeah, and it's, you, <laughs> you don't even, think you don't you even do think about it. Doesn't everybody have energy? Doesn't, you know, <laughs> doesn't everybody do? And then then after that, so I am an entrepreneur. I do not like managing. I am not a manager. So I always try and get a CEO, a COO as soon as possible. And then I go on the board. But from the board position, I can watch all of those companies, you know, that I helped build. And so that's why I say I never go away. I, I really do try and stay on the board because I think what's really important is, you know, entrepreneurs, they have the roadmap. They know when a company gets into trouble, they know what to do because they were the ones who saw the big picture, you know, from the beginning. So, so that is why indeed I have started a lot of things, but for me, most importantly is making certain and staying with them and that they achieve their potential, just like my mother wanted each of her children to achieve their potential. So the nice thing is, is that by kind of being at the pulse of innovation, and that comes about in this, one of the things I, I love actually, is that I, I am also a, a business angel. Mm -hmm. And 
so, you know, business angels, we always say they bring experience, expertise, network, and smart money. And I would not suggest being a business angel really until you are about 50 so that you can indeed bring this experience, bring this expertise, bring this network, and really help the, the young entrepreneurs. But what happens is that, and I do mentoring every Saturday morning, um, three hours, 9, 10, and 11, for space entrepreneurs and for women entrepreneurs. And you know, people say, Candace, that's very nice of you. And I go, well, you know, quite frankly, I get so much more out of it because I'm learning what's going on, you know, in these far out industries where I would never get to have that experience or to get to have that knowledge. So, it, you know, and then I can help the young entrepreneur say, I can say, look, hey, you know, have you thought of this? Have you thought of that? And if I'm really impressed with the entrepreneur, but they have to show me, they have to deliver, I will indeed pick up the phone and I will call somebody who can help them. And that is so important because, you know, many people will say, oh, well, can you please put me in touch with this person or with this person? I go, no. (laughs) (laughs) I will not. Because those people who are very often my very, very long and dear time friends and colleagues know that I would never, ever, ever get in touch with them unless I felt that it was also something good for them. Yes. So, you know, and it's a fascinating period that we are living in uh, right now. I, I, I sometimes, you know, do this song when I'm giving speeches about, you know, you've got the whole world in <laughs> uh, your hand. You do, you know, you yes. really do. And, um, and, and so everybody can contribute something positive in the world. They really can. And so I believe that. And I believe that kind of every person has a special talent and that you just need to find that talent. And sometimes they don't even know that they have it, but yes. you, can, you can help them find it. And then when you do, then you have to make certain that you give that person the tools that they need to be able then to have that talent brought to the rest of the world. That's amazing. I mean, all you've said, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm writing. I have pages of notes for my own personal. This is why I do the podcast. It's like at, at the end, I, I feel like that also so much. It's like what you were saying in mentoring, which mm-hmm. I, I also started mentoring young women in, in telecom a few years back, but it's exactly what you're saying. It's like you start and people question why. And I know my audience has heard this before. It's like, why are you doing a podcast? And to be honest, I think you are the second person in telecom that I interview and my network in telecom is broad, but because it's not my target. And, uh, and the funny thing is not my target. No, I want inspiring conversations. So if I see someone that can provide an inspiring conversation for sure, not that in the telecom industry, there's not, but I don't want to use my network for work for the podcast, but people don't understand it because most people use their network for business and promote their business through the podcast, which I don't criticize, but it's just not the whole goal of mine. But funny enough is that through the podcast, I get to meet people like you 
that are in my industry in a way, which I admire when I say, oh my God. And so that's something to say about the power of authenticity and just doing things genuinely and helping others and wanting to know more about others. Things also happen that way. And I reinforce this to my audience because I know there's people there, people that are chasing dreams and they feel scared to let go of their jobs because they, of course, we all need to pay our bills and need, but sometimes they say, but you need to take a risk on yourself and, and believe in yourself and pursue that dream. So, you know, I, I actually prefer to talk about visions as mm -hmm. opposed to dreams mm -hmm. because dreams are sometimes, you know, they're dreams. Visions, you can realize, you can make happen. Mm -hmm. And another thing, and I have many, many young people who come to me and say, I want to, you know, start my own company and, and I want to do this and everything. And that's where this idea of, you know, what makes you tick really comes into place. Because I think that if you're going to start something new then it cannot be it cannot be for yourself it it has to be because you really believe that what you are going to do is going to bring about a change for the good to the world and i believe that that is the only reason to start something new and People do talk about disruption. I actually don't like the word disruption. Um, and that is pretty funny because I have been called a monopoly breaker you know, <laughs> for, for years. But monopoly breaking, yes, I did break telecom monopolies, television monopolies, you know, banking monopolies and everything. But it was never to break the monopoly. It was to bring about something new and something good and something better. Mm -hmm. And that really has to be the only reason that you do something. And then I apply what I call the three-prong approach. Because, you know, there are so many wrongs that need to be righted. <laughs> and it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of energy um, people talk about sacrifice. I have never, ever, ever felt that I sacrificed anything. But it does take energy, it does take time, and it takes commitment. So when I decide that I have to do something, I apply this three-prong approach, which is the mind, the heart, and the gut. If those three places tell me that I have to do it, then I have to do it. If only two of the three are there, it's not good enough. So that really helps. And then the other thing is that whenever anybody's starting out on something, I tell them, I say, try to get at least three clients who will give you three year so each one of them will give you a three-year contract. No matter what, if you're manufacturing, 
will this company give me a three-year contract to, you know, to manufacture whatever I need to manufacture or a service or a product or whatever? Because when you have then those three clients, so, you know, not one, not really two, but three. And when you have something for three years, because it usually takes, no matter what you're doing, when you're starting a new company, it usually takes three years to get it done. And so if you have that already in place, then you can jump ship if you're, if you're you know, being employed somewhere, you know, or, or whatever. Whenever I was quote unquote employed, um, <laughs> which was a very, very funny thing for me. Um, <laughs> you know, I did not like having bosses. <laughs> I did not like being told what I should be doing. <laughs> and sometimes I would stick it out, but it was to stick it out so I could save enough money so I could go and do, you know, what I really wanted to do. But I did stick it out, you know, because <laughs> I, I would need to get out that money. Yes. And that's important. As you say, you know, you have to survive. My mother always said, you have to survive to be great. That's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah, I, I think definitely when you have a vision in your mind, this is, you know, well, my boss has been my dad for the past <laughs> 20 years, but I also consider myself very lucky because I say not many people can see their parents or their father in a business meeting. And then after you leave the meeting, go have drinks to debrief how the meeting went. And then you are with your father and your mentor and your best friend. And so I feel very lucky for that. And you know, Leticia, it is also such that having somebody like your father to be your mentor or to be, as you say, your best friend is so important because it is very seldom the case that you will find somebody who's there just for you. So often, you know, even business angels, even sometimes mentors, which I don't agree with, but have hidden agendas. And I'm always telling, you know, these young people, be very, very careful. You must stand up for what you think is right, what your vision is. And having somebody who has no hidden agenda, like your father, my father too. Now, does this mean, and I would, and thank goodness, you know, just like you, you know, my father was in satellites, was in telecoms, and I could call him. And did I always follow his advice? No. <laughs> and, and, and quite frankly, sometimes his advice, you know, wasn't the right advice. It was, huh? but... I know that he was doing his best for me and yeah. the best for what he could give me. And I think the happiest day actually for my dad was when he went to Israel and he was speaking with an Israeli satellite company and he was getting, quite frankly, nowhere fast. And at one point he said, oh my gosh, I, I have to call Candace. And they looked at him and they said, are you Candace Johnson's father? 
<laughs> wow. And you know, he called me and he said, You won't believe this. This is still funny. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Yeah. So, your daddy, you tell your daddy that I am a big believer in having family, you know, who's working in the same. Um, the same business and 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 I think it's great so thank you yeah it's it's an interesting dynamics you know very quickly one of my first burns that I got joining the company mm -hmm. I got this big deal and it was almost too good to be true but it was endorsed by Dan Nortel who was my ex-company and yeah. I say well if Nortel is doing business with these guys they're good and they were asking kind of strange performance bond in cash long story but in any case I, my dad said this doesn't sound good and I insisted so much that we gave them a performance bond in cash. It turned out to be a big Ponzi schemer, but he told my mom the part that hurts me, but at the same time, I'm grateful is he told my mom that they, I will stop having my name if we ever see this money back. But he knew, he knew I was going to get burned mm -hmm. and he, we, we got burned. Uh, it was very painful for me, especially knowing that he knew, but he empowered me. And that's what I'm very thankful for. And then he said, because he's a positive person, just like your parents, he said, when we lost the money, I said, I'm so sorry. And he said, well, you didn't consider it the money of a master's. I'm like, but I have two masters. Well, then the PhD, and it was cheap because you, your sister and your brother all learn from it. So it's a third of the investment on each. So it wasn't that expensive. And, you know, it's just amazing uh, that as a, you know, because there's other family dynamics that I know that, you know, where the CEO or the founder is so uh, you know, we're not going to do that. So to feel that empowerment has been very, very uh, important to me. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I remember too, something I went to my dad and I was pretty young at the time, maybe about 23 and um, something, you know, happened. And um, I went to him, I said, why didn't you tell me life was so hard? And he said, would you have believed me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Because, Great answer. You know, uh, and I said, yes, yes, you know, but probably not. <laughs> probably yes, not. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah. So, yeah. Candace, I know um, that uh, you're a busy woman. And as we reach the end of our interview, is there anything exciting that you're working on that you wish to, to oh share? I know you have probably have a lot, but I always like to give an open microphone for anything exciting going on in my guests' mm -hmm. lives. Well, you know, actually, quite frankly, this is the most exciting time of my Oh, wow. I'm so glad you know, I'm 68. Um, I was born in satellite. So, you know, I was five years old and I got this little toy Sputnik with, Chris, with Santa Claus inside to put on the Christmas tree. Oh, wow. In 1957. In That's 19 amazing. It was the year that the Sputnik came in October and in December, I'm born in December, I got this little Sputnik to put on the Christmas tree. And from, the, from then on, I have always been interested and in, in inspired by space, always. So, you know, now, 63 years later, or 60, 60, yeah, yeah, 63 years later, the space is, is experiencing a golden era. Mm -hmm. And all of the experience that I have, you know, having you know, quite frankly, started the first private satellite television system, the first private 
satellite telecommunications company, the first private mobile company, first private satellite broadband internet company, you know, but all of that, all of that has come to such good use today. And we are having this golden era because of a couple of things. One, the, the world has never needed so much connectivity and interactivity and instant infrastructure. And that is indeed what satellites do. They bring instant infrastructure for connectivity, interactivity, interconnectivity. The second thing is that we are having, you know, the internet of things. And so whereas beforehand, computers were just connected to people, now computers are connected to every single thing. There are sensors on everything, on plants, in the water, on the ground, on buildings, in bridges, in, in infrastructure, on food. Trash in the trash in the trash in the trash (laughs) and and the way to connect and get all of the data from that Internet of Things is of course again via satellites. So you have big data. uh, You have and and the only way to look at all of that big data, of course, is with AI. Um, So um, artificial intelligence, and then you also have and this is so exciting. Because you have, and I'm sorry, it's a little bit technical, but no, this is, you know, this okay. is kind of the this world is... that I, you know, that I live in, and I think that more and more people are 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 going to be living in because space is becoming democratized, and the reason for that is because the miniaturization of components is becoming so large that we can have smaller satellites, we can have smaller rockets and we can have more affordable rockets and satellites so that everybody, kids around the world can build their own satellites. They can do CubeSats, they can do NanoSats, they can you know, do their, their own little launchers. And this is allowing them to discover this whole new world and to understand what space is really about. And so I, kind of sum up my life um, by saying, you know, I first used to use satellites and space to give universal access to everyone. And now I'm using satellites and space to access the universe. Oh, wow. That's powerful. <laughs> That's uh, well, that was strong. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's true. You know, it's true. It's, I agree. It's true I can see it. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing earth observation. I'm, uh, I'm doing space situational awareness, which I'm the vice chair of North Star. Uh, we are tracking debris and we are also giving space traffic management so that because we will have more and more space vehicles and satellites, et cetera. So we're actually creating, you know, lanes, just like there used to be lane, there, there weren't any lanes for automobiles and there weren't any stoplights. And now, you know, then they created those for automobiles where well, we're doing the same thing for space. So it's very, very interesting. And, um, you know, then I am working with a couple of women friends Um, And we're going to try and do the um, first all-female space crew for the space station. Oh, wow. (laughs) Oh, my God. 
<laughs> so yeah, that, that is amazing. Yeah. So you know, um, I would just urge everyone to be very much in touch with themselves. You know, I talked about the three prongs and whenever I have to do anything and, and, and I don't feel comfortable, I always tell the people, I said, well, I have to examine my conscience. <laughs> and, you know, and you, and you know, but today, I think we all need to examine our consciences and make certain as one of your questions, you know, is that you're staying true to your core values. And, you know, if you stay, you know, if you have that North star, if you are staying true to your core values, and then you can go outside of yourself and you can have a vision, you know, to write whatever wrong it is or to create something, um, you will have a happy life. And I, I wanted to share with you a quote because you, you, you asked about this. Absolutely. By a woman who unfortunately just passed away. Her name is um, Deborah Rhodes. And she was a, a law professor at Stanford. And she transformed the field of legal ethics. Mm -hmm. She pushed the legal profession to confront the ways it failed clients and to be more inclusive of women. Hmm. Yeah, an amazing woman. And she wrote a number of books. And one book is not uh, yet published, but it will be published, I think, this spring. And in one of the books, she, which is called um, Ambition. And, and, and it's funny because for me, a lot of people think I'm ambitious and, and I'm not at all, but I do have this personal responsibility, which, you know, may be trans, you know, translated into ambition or can be ambition for other people. For me, it's personal responsibility. But so in that book, she writes about what constitutes happiness. Enduring satisfaction, she writes, is most often a byproduct of participating in worthwhile activities that do not have happiness as their primary goal. Ultimate fulfillment comes from a sense of remaining true to core ideals and principles and of using life for something of value that outlasts it. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, I, you know, when I read this, I said, oh my gosh, you know, because whenever I think, whenever I think I've, I've had quote unquote success, I, I call it a happy day. And so when I read this quote, I said, oh my goodness gracious, you know, this is, this is exactly it. Absolutely. I, I love it. And I thank you for sharing it. I will put the link on the show notes. Yeah. And the last, the last question I want to asked to you it's uh, you share what makes you tick and what you're working on and you live in the south of france in a day where you feel a little bit less energized and you feel like you want to tap into something you know like inside of you is where do you go to what do you do is there anything that you do in particular or just work and, and or go for a walk <laughs> no believe it or not i have people that say i just because i'm doing what i love to do I yeah. just don't need that. And you sound to me like someone that's <laughs> loving what you're doing. So maybe, you know. So absolutely. I mean, so, uh, you know, I do not, I mean, it's very funny of 
fun, very funny for me to talk about a career or a profession or work because this is none of the above. You know, it is absolutely creating happy days and, um, you know, staying true to your core values and, and, and all of this. I, I, I saw that question. And to be honest, I mean, what I absolutely love to do is I love to swim. <laughs> okay, and that, and, that is, and that is honestly the kind of answers I look for because yeah. sometimes it's in the most basic activities. We yeah. do yeah. find that source of energy or, yeah. or yeah. happiness. Great, yeah. Yeah. great, yeah. great. I, I, well, I swim, you know, I, and I also, because I am, you know, I am a classical musician. Mm -hmm. And so for a very long time, I kept the classical music performing and telecommunications mm -hmm. <laughs> separate. And then I realized that, you know, when you are a singer, you are communicating the essence of what the poet and the composer has written to another person. And telecommunication networks have to do exactly the same thing. They have to keep the essence of the communication and bring it to the other person. So it's really one and the same. You know, increasingly I build on that and I savor it and and I use it because also singing people just say, oh, it's a hobby. I go, no, it, it's, it's not a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> it's another expression of who I am and, and the composers and, and life and, and everything, just like my other work. Well, I, it's no doubt to me why you are creating happy days. And uh, <laughs> as a woman in the industry and as a woman and as an entrepreneur, I thank you for paving the way and for sharing your advice and also something that struck me from your sister. And I can just see it, how that emphasis on the human aspect of whatever you do on the greater good, I think it's something that to me was a reminder, like I, and I said it to her, it's I, something I've always want to help, but I probably never like put it as, no, let me see if this has a greater good, exactly what you said in, in our chat today. And, and I think that's very, very powerful. So I know that message is going to resonate. Well, it's a delight to meet you kind of in person. <laughs> <laughs> exactly we'll make we'll make a point but uh, experience with you and i'm looking forward to you know marcia and you and me getting together in a very very short time <laughs> i love it and i really thank you for your time uh and sharing your your life's journey and vision with with my audience thank you thank, thank you, you so much okay you've been listening to back to basics you can follow us on instagram and facebook if you haven't yet subscribe Rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you and until the next time.